All right, we're back for episode two of the Focal Collective podcast. I'm Mark Makoviak, and I'm here with Mike. Hi, everyone. This is Mike Lindell, one of the co-founders of Focal Collective. And today we will be chatting a little bit about uh, the Southern California super bloom that took social media by storm today. There are some repercussions that come with following the masses and doing anything for that one Instagram shot. So yeah, have you did you see any of that stuff about the super bloom down in SoCal? I saw it I guess all weekend I've been looking at it. I never heard of it before this weekend. It's crazy. Like I actually just learned about it a, a couple days ago. Um coincidentally, I was already in kind of the LA area and it happens like it doesn't even happen every year. It only happens when the conditions are perfect. Right, so you need like heavy rain for Southern California, which is really not like <laughs> often heavy rain is like a sprinkling every now and then, so dry down there. But you also need fertile soil from the passing uh, bushfires that have happened out there this year and last year. So last year there was there was no super bloom at all, and what it is is it's all these poppy flowers in the rolling hills around some of the highways and, and nature reserves out there. And they just pop up and it's amazing. It's like one of the most beautiful things I've seen. Like first made it kind of popular worldwide or at least countrywide. They covered a story of a super bloom that happened out in Tehachapi, California, which is not too far from the Mojave Desert. So it's usually like this, this swath of, of desert in Eastern California that like once or twice, I don't know, like or it happens like one week or two weeks out of every year or two where the rolling hills just get super green and all the blossoms and flowers come out. So were people, did people know this was going to happen this year or was not, it, is it just really. sort of a I mean, surprise? It's, it's kind of a surprise. Like some people, some uh, maybe nature conservationists or people that work in the, like the, the park employees. Oh, they're, right. They're probably pretty tuned in with it. But as far as I know, it's just, you know, you're driving around in, in the neighborhoods or you're driving around on the highways and you look over at the hills, you know, and, and these fields can be kind of scattered all over Southern California. So Tehachapi, California, isn't anywhere close to where I was last weekend. You know, this all happened March, like, 16th, March 17th, and then the weekend before that, like, March 10th. But the super bloom is happening in California right now from, like, I don't know, like, last week up until, like, middle June. But it's just different regions of Southern California, different areas will have it at different times. Oh, okay. I understand now. Yeah, so Walker Canyon is actually... Driving from LA about an hour southeast, kind of towards San Diego. But Tehachapi, California is like maybe three, four hours northeast from LA. And that's where you were? No, I was not in Tehachapi. I was out in Walker Canyon. Oh, down okay. Near San okay. Diego. Yeah, it was an easier drive, but the traffic was getting out there was so crazy. You know, like it's usually from LA, like an hour drive. The traffic made it about a three hour drive there. There were people like parking on the sides of the highway 
the exits were closed. The cops closed everything off, redirecting traffic everywhere. Like locals were even driving by on the highway and almost yelling at all these like flower gazing tourists. Oh, like, wow. They were, they were upset. It's like, look, like it's really pretty out here. Of course, a lot of people are going to flock to the area. But the tourists only understood that all these people were causing all these traffic concerns. Right. causing like natural damage to the flowers or anything like that oh i see i didn't even realize it was that big of a issue locally it, there it was a thing yeah it's crazy and that's just in this one little region for like this weekend and last weekend you know i mean like i'm sure tatchby california would get a little bit of it too i know i'm sure uh there are areas up in the malibu hills which is north of la that get it you know, and I'm I'm not from California. I, I don't really know the natural kind of weather and floral patterns out there, but I'm sure it happens in a bunch of other areas too. Just a couple of like the hot spots that you know social media makes us all too aware of. You know, like right. you're even you're out in Washington D.C. and you still saw like all this media of it. Whether you kind of knew how how big of a deal it was regionally or not, you're still exposed to the content, right? Oh, right. As soon as I opened Instagram, I kept saying, well, I guess all weekend I've been seeing pictures of these flowers. Like, Usually you kind of hear about stuff like that before, like the cherry blossoms in D.C. Everyone knows about those, but I've never heard about these flowers or this super yeah. bloom, whatever you want to call it. Exactly. Well, it's actually the uh, the poppy flower is the state flower of California. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I didn't know that poppies even like, grew in this country. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess it's not like the opium poppies. It's it's just a wildflower. But oh, okay. Yeah. So you went out there. How many people were wandering around with their phones? It was phones. It was drones. It was cameras. It was girl in white dress over there on the left. Girl in like flower print dress over there on the right. Like it was a lot of people, you know, like the roads were closed off. The cops were directing traffic. Like you couldn't, you couldn't find a parking spot. It was near impossible. The actual trail had all these people on it. And it's a shame because, you know, this is such a beautiful event draws such a huge crowd without everybody blasting it all over social media, you know, add that awareness to it. And even more people come out than the year before, than the year before that, or whatever right. years encounter it. It's like it, it amplifies. You would see like walking up on the hill, um, all these people, just troves of people going off the trail, like hiking off of the designated pathways, stomping on the flowers, lying down in the flowers, and just everyone was destroying it. Oh, that sounds about right. So this is a, this is a state park or a national park? I don't even know if it's a state park. It's not a national park. Um, it might be like a natural preserve or, or something like that. Right. Uh, Walker Canyon was the name of the spot. It's just, I think it should be a national park. I, I think some of the infrastructure that was laid out in the area wasn't actually um, good enough to accommodate the amount of people that came out. And I think that's where you see all the destruction happening. You know, if the park had enough funding or the foresight to have laid down 
uh, more noteworthy or more apparent barriers, you know, put up ropes or a, or a handbar or, you know, signs that said, do not trample over, like, or do not walk off of the uh, marked trail. Right. I think that's where the issue was. So they're just not prepared. I think so. I mean, there was even like from the outlet mall, like three miles away from the trailhead, they had shuttle buses arranged for $5. So you could go park at the outlet mall and take the shuttle. There was a helicopter flying overhead with a loudspeakers, like telling people, you know, towards the end of the day, like the last shuttle is leaving, go head back. But he made like three or four rounds over the course of two hours saying the same thing. The last shuttle is here, go back. So it's like they're trying to do a crowd control situation. They're trying to escalate it by sending a, a chopper out, telling people to go back like an hour and a half before it's actually time to leave. They're just trying to get people away. It's very weird. So when you see a f- photo of a woman sitting amongst the wildflowers and no one else is around, really, there's helicopters flying overhead and shuttle buses going back and forth and yeah. people trampling everything in sight. That's exactly right. I mean, it's never it's never what it seems. You selectively right. choose the frame that you show people, but it was it was a madhouse. People were like crawling over everything and everyone. And so you definitely think that's because of social media. I don't think that people go to these places because of social media. Because people have been coming to these wildflowers for a very long time. I think the crowds get amplified because of social media. So there are surges of traffic, especially on the weekends. Like it's so much that they ended up putting out, I think Walker Canyon's official like Twitter account or Walker Canyon's website or something. They said it was the largest crowd this past weekend, like yesterday. This is yesterday. the largest crowd they have experienced in their history of like operating the trailhead. Wow. So they actually closed it down yesterday and they closed it down today. So it was not operational today. They were shorthanded on staff. They understood how much damage was done to these wildflowers. Cause it's not just like, Oh, they're trampled this month or they're trampled for this super bloom. When people walk off the trail, you're actually hurting that chance, that flower's chance of growing back the next year or the year after. You're damaging the soil. You're damaging the plant. Right. That's a big issue in uh, Iceland with the peat moss. Like They absolutely do not want you to walk off the trail. And I think there's some pretty serious fines when you do. Got it. And that's the thing is, is this, this area... And I'm sure it's a likely um, occurrence that it'll happen in other areas of the super blooms. They don't really have that regulation. They don't really have that infrastructure to allow people to understand what is what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. I saw a lot of people shaming others on social media. I saw a lot of official accounts administering official statements saying, you're damaging the stuff and kind of that sense of social media shaming. But nine out of 10 people aren't going to see that. You have to affect the audience where they're at the destination. You can't just do it after the fact on like a social media platform that does nothing. Yeah. I'm not 
not, I'm not a fan of the whole shaming people on social media for that, unless they're doing something you blatantly, you obviously know what they're doing is wrong. I mean, you don't necessarily know someone's not on a trail, do you? Not really, because it got to the point where everything was so trampled down that a lot of it looked like a trail. All right. It was was hard to say what was a trail and what wasn't a trail if, like, all there was were, like, little dirt trails going off to, like, kind of branching off the main trail, but it still kind of looked like a trail. It's very strange. So is this one of those things where, because a few people ruin it, do we kick everyone out? What's the solution? Uh, they kick people out today. I don't know. Um, crowds were obviously a lot less. Um, th- there were less crowds today than there were on Sunday. Sunday traffic is always crazy. But, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, apparently they reopened it like at, towards the end of the day today, but I have no idea how they're going to handle that many people next weekend. It's just going to continue to damage everything. And I'm sure even more people know about it now. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it's like last weekend was when the, like the first wave of social media influencers and, and the beautiful content came through. <laughs> that inspired this weekend where it br- literally broke records of attendance and hiking traffic um, of all like the years that this has been operating. And then more people are going to see more content from this week's like photo or video cycle next weekend's going to roll around and it's just going to be crazy (laughs) i mean it sounds miserable to me what you're describing it was crazy i mean also just getting back to the car after the trip getting back uh to la we were sitting in like four hours of traffic it's supposed to be like a maybe one hour 10 minute drive from like lax just as a baseline yeah, I mean, it's a little tricky, especially with somewhere that's not used to this kind of with where the wildflowers are. There's not people going there every weekend, I'm assuming. Exactly. But that's the thing, too, is this is a very common story, right? Just from like a natural preservation perspective, you know, we saw the same thing happen with Horseshoe Bend. Horseshoe Bend was this is still this beautiful canyon that branches off from the Grand Canyon. Uh, it, it has the Colorado River carving straight through it, and it's this most beautiful horseshoe shape in the canyon. Like 10 years ago, nobody went there. Nobody. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, you get your <laughs> your social media photographers posting a couple, let's say, quote-unquote bangers from the area, and you're attracting these hordes of people to this destination that is not ready to accommodate the masses. And I think, I think it was like four or three years ago where the park officials or the rangers or, or whomever was in charge of uh, amping up either the security or the accommodation for the foot traffic. They actually acknowledged like, A, people are throwing their trash everywhere. B, they're kind of ruining it, the entire location. But they actually started building the infrastructure to support the people. The people will not stop coming. I think that's, you, that's the, the paradigm shift that people kind of like, oh, well, shame on, sh- shame on everybody for ruining this. It's actually, well, no, people want to go do nice things and take photos in nice places. That is an encouraging thing. That's a really good thing. 
but it's when the infrastructure okay. can't support the masses that that's that's the difficulty because then it then it's like whose fault is it me and drew were talking about that because he was sort of saying well it's people shouldn't be going to take photos there because lack of creativity like everyone knows the photo you're describing when you say horseshoe bend and it's someone sitting there on a quilted blanket with a hipster hat on overlooking it or having their feet stuck out. I guess that's the other one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the feet over the edge. It's just the barren landscape with the sunburst over on the, on like the left of the horizon or it's like insert wander babe here with like hipster blanket (laughs) and sun hat, you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, those are the three shots. On on the other side of that, I mean, I don't necessarily think the lack of creativity is a problem. I've spent a lot of time, I've been shooting for seven years. And and I'm not going to sit here and say that I've never done something like that before. But I, I take all those experiences, be it five years ago, be it two weeks ago. To me, that doesn't really matter. It's about inspiring the creative process but also practicing that's a very important part of the whole of the whole art that's a good point saying practice because it's a good way to compare yourself to other people that have taken the photo if you look at it that way i don't have a problem with it at all personally but even even that sense of comparison isn't really necessary it's just knowing like this is a popular location. People take photos here. That's an okay thing. Right. Let me go do that too. It's obviously like a place for a reason. People want to come here for a reason. And I think that's fine. It's just about being responsible with what you do when you're at these like delicate locations. And it's right. not necessarily relying exclusively on these lack of creative, uh, creative, um, these like lack of creative visions. It's more about staying sharp and going places that inspire you and interest you, you know, cause maybe your one shot that you got of horse horseshoe bend on this one trip is exactly like everybody else's, but maybe you got a couple other really nice shots in the process of getting there or leaving from there. Cause there's beautiful right. hiking in the area too. I don't even know what else is around there. I mean, you're, you're kind of at, at the Grand Canyon, so there, there are other things you could probably... Oh. I think there are a couple hikes into and back out of the canyon. They have, oh, okay. they have a couple different trails that lead you from the North Rim to the South Rim, which also sounds very funny, but <laughs> we don't have... I've to. never seen the Grand Canyon, so... Got it. Well, I don't, I don't know anything about it. It's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> I actually... I, I went to the Grand Canyon back in 2015 on a road trip. I lived out of a camper van for about two months. This was before, before, well, uh, maybe no, it wasn't really before all this Instagram hype of horseshoe bend. I didn't make it to horseshoe bend. It's, it was kind of far out of the way, but when we got to the grand Canyon, we went on Yelp just to see if there was any food in the area. We were kind of hungry. We noticed that the grand Canyon was raided on Yelp. And we were like, what? <laughs> Why would anybody, how, how? And we looked at the stars. The Grand Canyon on Yelp apparently only has three and a half stars. Uh, it could be Which bigger. Is, well, yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't that impressive. Three and a half stars. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, it's, it's too hot here. There wasn't, there, were, there, were, there was no artisanal ice cream shop at the top. 
And I kept trying to find that Starbucks at the bottom. I'm still upset I couldn't find it. I mean, if there's nothing out there, there are probably people that are upset about that. Oh, I'm, I bet. You I'm mean. sure there are people that wish there was a Starbucks there. It's crazy. You actually can get soft serve ice cream at the top at the visitor center, but it's not artisanal. So I, I will say that that's, oh. that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's not artisanal. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a waste. Then. Yeah, I really want my honey lavender ice cream while I'm staring at my wander babe at the Grand Canyon. That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Darn. Maybe next time. There's a similar thing where I, where I grew up in North Carolina. They have synchronous fireflies in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard of them. I've been to the Great Smokies I've- before. But I did not see any of the fireflies. I think it was out of season. Yeah, it's like two weeks during the year where they're mating or whatever. But they have it set up so there's a lottery system to be able to park your car. And then they take you, I think, by shuttle bus to it. But if you don't get in a lottery system or if you don't win a number, you just don't get to go. But they they keep it from being trampled. And can you imagine 2,000 people out there trying to take this? take these photos. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it sounds beautiful. Now, now I need to research that a little bit and add it to the list, but it's the same thing. Have you heard of, um, there's like Antelope Canyon out in Arizona. Same situation, right? It's like, if you want to go to that at any point in your life, like put your name in their lottery system now, because apparently it's like a three or four year wait or something, something, maybe not that long, but something absurd like like too long to reasonably plan in advance if you're coming from the east coast or the west coast it's kind of like (laughs) yeah i had a friend that went out there i guess it was last year he's not not a photographer or anything just went out there but he's telling me the photography guides they're just set up people's cameras for them on tripods and just tell them what settings put the same settings every single time in the exact same spot like, well, I never want to go there if that's the case. Well, honestly, hats off to them. It, it's kind of annoying, but this is the emerging industry. There's a new industry around this where people will pay you money to do these photography workshops. You know, I don't think that should be like a discouraging thing. I think there's more. Well, I don't think it, it's not a photography workshop. They're just saying these are the settings. All right, now move along. Oh, it's just to get people through there faster. I think. Oh, so it's more about, I guess it just moves people right quickly through the area to get the next round of people in to get the same. Okay, it's, it's almost like factory farming, but for it's factory photography but for really. the farm fresh bangers, I guess. Right. Oh, that's yeah. You're exactly right. That's ridiculous. But I mean, that was just the biggest turnoff to me. Like, I mean, it looks like a beautiful canyon, but I don't really want to go there anymore. Yeah. I know. I mean, like I've, I've seen a couple of these shots and I am guilty of this, but I definitely want to go there. Like th- that oh, one. I take the like, same shots as other people all the time. Like I have no uh, shame about that whatsoever. Well, I, I mean, cause or the same location, I should say, let, let's say that you're shooting in DC, you know, how many times have people photographed the Jefferson Memorial or the Lincoln Memorial, Washington monument, you know, You going to the same spot doesn't mean that you're going to come away with the same photos. It's more about how you put your spin on it. 
you know, right. and a lot of people will go and take the same photo without trying to do their own thing or, or put a model in, in the frame, coordinate a specific outfit. Like I, I do a lot of solo traveling on my side and I sometimes will just set out a little tripod, you know, and, and I'll go take a photo of me at one of these classic locations and just like off in the distance as a little figure. That way it's almost like my watermark a little bit of like, yeah, that's me. That's not somebody else. Or this isn't the same right. shot that you've seen before. That makes sense. But now yeah, I mean, I, oh, I'm sorry, go on. No, that is putting your own unique spin on it, really. Just sticking yourself in every shot like that. Yeah, no one can copy that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But now it, it sort of it sort of plays into this sense of, have you seen that one? There's this one, like, I don't want to always resort back to talking about social media, but I guess for this topic, you kind of can't avoid it. Uh, that account called Insta Repeat. Oh, I hate it. It's hilarious, and I kind of love it. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, it annoys me so much. <laughs> no, it's good. It's that is that is good comedic relief. It's on top. Yeah, you know, it's just we go, we all go to Horseshoe Bend. We all take the same shot, and it's a grid of like nine or sixteen of the same photo in one post. So you just see, like, okay, well, now we know that everybody goes to take the shot, or like that Pacific Northwest vibe in the canoe with your foggy trees in the background. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. That, that Girl is pretty popular at also. A waterfall. Like wearing someone's back jacket. while they're canoeing <laughs> in ba- was that Na- Banff National Park uh, in Canada? Like Jasper or, or Lake Louise. Yeah. Yeah. Lake I think Louise. It's like, yeah. Lake Louise. <laughs> yeah. That, it's crazy. That exact same shot. Uh, of, I mean, one of my friends, um, his name is Alex Kwan. He used to go by wayfaring.professional. Just got to gas up the boy real quick. But he, he went out to China uh, back in like November. So this was maybe three, four months ago. And he stumbled upon this little fishing village where like right at the base of these gigantic avatar looking mountains. I mean, it's really crazy scenery out there. I'd love to make my way out there at some point, but there was a local fisherman posing in his boat, accepting tips from passing photographers. So like, so the photographers and tourists could get their quintessential shot of rural Japanese fishermen, right. In their element at the base of this river with these crazy uh, spire looking mountains in the background. And that was like almost a, like a service, right? That's, that's, exactly. that's an experience that you can buy now. Yeah. I, I know exactly the shot you're talking about. Yeah. I think I remember him saying about that saying or mentioning that before Alex. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he, he's an amazing that's, photographer. I'm very impressed. Oh, with for sure. For sure. Out. We, we were able to travel around back in October. We went to a bunch of fun places and <laughs> I, I haven't had the time lately to go through any of the material, but we went to London, Berlin, the Faroe Islands, Copenhagen and Paris. And 
you know, these are all really amazing destinations. We had a really great time. But we were kind of, you know, Faroe Islands was amazing. But we, when we were in like Paris or when we were in Berlin, it was very challenging to, you know, have the desire to chase down these quintessential like looks of the area, these, these like views, these landmarks. And it was challenging to have the desire to go get these shots that everybody gets everywhere, wherever they travel usually found on Insta repeat or usually just lack of creativity versus having like not enough energy to do it or having the like mental capacity of feeling conflicted about it and not wanting to just regurgitate locations and regurgitate content. No, I mean, that's the same. That's the exact same feeling you get going through Iceland because I'm sure you've seen a million photos of Iceland yourself. Oh, you know yeah. what every spot looks like without having been there already. It's amazing. And I, I thought that Faroe Island. Maybe you've been there. Be I don't know. But it's, you know, exact, it's exactly what but, you're mentioning. But it's kind of the same thing. You, you go to these locations and you go to these hikes and you're like, oh, there's no way someone has been here before. There's no way this is. And then you're like, oh, wait, I totally recognize this view. Darn. Yeah. You're like, ah, <laughs> you can't escape it. Because now what social media has done is it has crowdsourced location scouting. And I I think that's a very powerful thing. But if all you're doing is to crowdsource these locations, if all you're doing is to go to these locations to regurgitate and to post, you're not doing yourself a favor. You're not doing anybody a service. You're only putting the same stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, if when you go there, if you go out there and enjoy being out there for a day, that's fine. If you go there and hike up a trail, just take a photo and like, oh, that's what I came here for and leave. What, what's the point? Right. And I know that I mean, it, for sure there's, it, it ins- that happens. It inspires that sense of adventure. You know, it, right, it right. motivates people to leave the house. And I, I will I will totally say, like, I'm, I'm very happy that I've had this desire – and urge and passion to get out there sometimes regurgitating a shot, sometimes putting my own spin on it, sometimes just looking around for new angles, new compositions. But all three of those factors kind of tangle together and allow you to do things that you don't do in your day to day. Right. They help you get away from your routine. They help you do different things. And I, I think, at least for me, that's that's a very valuable aspect to the whole art. Oh, I agree completely. Even if you're just going to like, um, what the the one waterfall in Iceland just to get that one waterfall shot. Well, if you're in the area, you you kind of may as well, as long as you're not doing anything illegal or not ruining the environment or anything like that. But like, it's it's not about the destination. It's, it's more about the journey. But then when you get to the destination, you can totally take that photo. Like that's, that's an okay thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I think if you spend the whole time there only looking through your camera, you, you don't take the time to set it down, just experience, just enjoy it. Then I don't know how much you're getting out of it. Maybe that's all you care about, but I mean, especially, I don't know, especially in a social media driven, um, mindset, that's kind of all you're focusing on. 
Yeah, it's not a good thing though. No, it's terrible. I, I saw remember there was like a week ago Instagram or maybe like even this was like five days ago, Instagram shut down for like one day. Right. And everybody the mass panic. everybody was freaking out. Oh, like, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. I, I saw a couple of really just really weird comments. Like people were resorting to like going to Twitter and tweeting like, well, I guess we have to use Twitter now or like, Oh, Instagram is down. But I saw this one really pointed, like very well articulated tweet that was just like, Instagram has been down for 24 hours and now I have less self doubt and I'm actually getting outside more. And it was like, they viewed it as a positive thing. (laughs) Oh, I think it was. I think, I think if it shut down for a week, people would be happier. Yeah. It's like you'd you'd stop comparing yourself to others. You'd stop seeing all these advertisements. You'd stop needing to connect like in in an almost unhealthy way with the content and the people that produce the content. Yeah, you have to you gotta like all your friends' photos, and if not, that's like an insult it's almost ridiculous. now. People, well, you didn't like that photo. What was what was wrong with it? It was a good one, wasn't it? Wasn't it? <laughs> it was. I just put my phone down for a day. Yeah, people get cranky. People uh, they do. people need an audience. People want that sense of reassuring support. I guess. I guess I'm, I'm sure I'm guilty as guilty of it as anyone else. But when you, if, I think I took a month or so off Instagram. It's definitely a good feeling, though. It's like, oh, I, I really don't need this in my life at all. Yeah, it, especially like when winter rolls around. And I, I just, you know, it's, it's been very cold these past couple months. Oh, it's, DC's been horrible. I believe it. Dude, I've been in Chicago. I've been coming out to Chicago almost every week since like January 8th for a client. <sighs> Sounds terrible. That's, that's a long time. It's been like two months. And I was here when it dropped to like negative 43 degrees with wind chill. And it was not fun. But all that to say is, you know, seasonal depression totally kicks in. You know, the days are dark. You're only really like you only really get sunlight for so long. And then like the last thing I want to do is post on social media about like all the cool things that are happening. Right. It's like it got to a point where I think in the past couple of months, I've only posted like three times or something like maybe once a month, like now daylight savings, you know, it's so nice. It's like, Oh cool. Like the sun is out for so much longer. Now I can actually That's... plan out a location for sunset. I can actually go enjoy the daylight. Once it gets to about 70 degrees, I'll be good. That's what I need to be for yeah. happiness. Man, LA, LA last weekend, it was like 75, 79. It was really pretty. Uh, this past weekend, it wasn't too warm. Last week, we had a couple 70, 70 degree days, and it was nice. Yeah, and I know like DC is really beautiful right in the springtime. I'll, I'll be out there next weekend, so we're definitely going to have to get out and shoot a little bit. Those cherry blossoms are on the way. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't. I've, I can't, I, I think I can count on two hands the amount of times I've gotten up for sunrise and shot the cherry blossoms out there. 
That doesn't sound like it's a lot, but like it's enough. It's definitely enough times <laughs> yeah. to wake up at sunrise and haul all of your gear out to the Jefferson Memorial like tidal basin. Yeah, I, was, I went last year and 4 a.m. It was packed full. It was hard to f- even find a spot. Yeah, it's yeah, especially like, and, and that's the problem is hordes of people come and they all take the same photo. And then it's like, you can't yep. even really maneuver or navigate in there. You know, uh, what was it like a month and a half ago? And this is actually, I was, this is more inspiring than anything, but a month and a half ago, I was out in Atlanta and there's this one quintessential view. Um, it's, it's at the Jackson street bridge overlook and you're kind of overlooking the freeway that passes below. If anybody's watched, um, the walking dead, it's like, it was one of the the posters of like, this is like the view, you know, this is Atlanta. They made it to the CDC or whatever. Yeah. I I wasn't very like, I I feel like I could have been more into the show, but I never finished watching it. So I never made it through the first episode. (laughs) It's kind of, it's, it's a fun show. But I went over to the Jackson Street Bridge. I was out in Atlanta for about a week. And I went there for a sunrise. I went there for a sunrise drone flight. And then I went there for a sunset. So I was there like three times. Both sunrises, there, were, you know, there weren't many people out, which is fine. I went there for sunset. And there were like 12 people set up with their tripods. And they were all shooting the look, they were all shooting the same sunset. And I thought, okay, this is normal. This is a normal, regular thing that usually happens at these locations that are made famous by social media, by pop culture, by you name it, word of mouth. But what I thought was really peculiar was everybody's shutter kept rolling. It just kept going off. Like it was like on an intervalometer. And I was just like, huh, so I started talking to like everybody there and they were all taking time lapses. They weren't taking photos. And I was very confused. I was like, wait, I'm ve- I'm used to seeing people take the same photo at the same time from the same location. I'm not used to seeing that now all of a sudden everybody is doing video or now all of a sudden everybody's taking a time lapse. That was new and it was kind of cool. Right, because there's definitely more value, usually, in video than photo. Depends on the circumstances, depends on the subject, depends on the story and the impact. Right. But usually, video is a more difficult barrier of entry. It requires, I'd say, an upgraded and different skill set than photography. And I think photography has been adopted by the masses more than video. But I just never seen a crowd of people taking the same time lapse before. It was kind of weird. Yeah, that's that's pretty unusual. I think when you come across ten photographers, there might be one or two that are doing a time lapse. Norm, that's I feel like that's probably about average. It was the weirdest thing. And I asked, like, are you guys all here? Like, are you all here as part of the same group? Is this a learning workshop for time lapse videography? Like, what is? And they they all did not know each other. And it was, it was the strangest thing. But what I also didn't realize is Atlanta is kind of like 
an LA production city, but not as large as LA, obviously not as large as a industry, but they have a lot of like production tax credits. They have a lot of, um, yeah, that's true. I, f- I yeah, forgot about that. Of, my sister lives oh, there. Yeah. It was my first time out there. I, I really did not know much about the city, but it's like a production hub for, for right. filmmaking, for pop culture. I mean, that, ex- that explains the walking dead that explains the Avengers that explains these other movies and TV shows that, that come out of Atlanta that I, it wasn't really at the forefront of my mind until it kind of clicked. It's like, Oh, of course they're all doing time-lapse because it's more of a video focused city than it is a photography focused city. As far as I could tell. Yeah, that makes sense. I, w- I wouldn't have thought about that. I mean, even though I, I knew that about Atlanta, but it's, never really when it comes to i don't see many atlanta photographs i feel like yeah they're all like i there are only a handful of photographers that like make it to the feed you know that that make it to um my my usual stream of content i, I really is only like evan ranft and a handful of like some of the local like meetup kinds of photographers that are out in Atlanta. Otherwise you don't really see content like, like photo content coming out of the city. It's very interesting. It's a big city too. That is surprising. Or at least when I went there, I I had a hard time finding who is who in the zoo, right? It's like, well, well, who are these people? Where are the comps? Who's around to shoot a little bit? Who is finding the views that no one else is? Right. One of my favorite things about being able to plug in with social media is meeting the people. It's social media. It's not professional media, right? It's like you want to learn about the people. You want to see what they're up to. You want to talk about where to go. You want to go meet up and make a couple new friends. Right. No, I totally agree. That's the, I, I mean, it's called social media for a reason. Instagram was never meant to be a photography app. As far as I know, yeah. it's just sort of photographers kind of just stole it and made it that, but, but I mean, even, if you're using you it, you know, like, have you like the, the community, the photography community on Instagram is so, so small relative. Is it? Oh, for sure. Rel- have you seen the pet community on Instagram? No, no. I mean, I barely have, but there are some <laughs> of these, like, there's like a cat, it's like Wesley the pirate cat that has like 800,000 followers. There's this other cat that's like Lil Bub that has like 15 million followers. Like Instagram's not a photography platform. It just happens that photographers use it. It's very strange. Hmm. Like the, the photo community, the reason why no one's really growing that much is because most of the people on Instagram aren't there for photo or video. Right. We're just all in our little photography bubble exactly. where everything we see is photography. It's a really, really Forget small, about all these other really things. Small bubble. Yeah, that's a good you point. Know, or I mean, like muscle food, cars like, or celebrities yeah. or even food accounts. Yeah. There's yeah. some really big ones even in DC exactly. that dwarf any photographers. It's it's insane because the masses don't seek photography videography creative art on instagram they're trying to find out you know where the cute animals are 
They're trying to find out where to eat in their city because that's more or the good memes yeah, are. Or the, or the memes. There are these memes accounts that are also like 3 million followers, like many of them. Yeah, those are far more massive than any photographer I know of. It's crazy. It's unfortunate that Chris Burkard or insert big name photographer here, right? It's unfortunate that like we cannot compete with like somebody's pet cat. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's, I mean, because I think even, I think Burkard's probably, was, would he be the biggest photographer on Instagram as far as Instagram's concerned? Um, and he probably has like 3 million. I think he's got to be, we can definitely say one of the largest social media photographers is Chris Burkard. Or, or social media accounts, I should say. I'm not really sure. But I know like when yeah. you look at like Vin Diesel who has or like uh the like Dwayne the Rock Johnson or whatever has like 500 million or like something crazy like that. Oh, like Messi and Ronaldo were over 120 million, I think. Yeah. It's like I have not seen a photographer with 120 million followers. That's just not a thing. Yeah. That's- and that just that just proves how small the creator the content creator and photography videography bubble really is that's such a good point and so all this time i've been thinking oh photography is everything photography is everything really yeah well as, as like far as the cat as far as instagram goes yeah as, yeah, as yeah. you said it's not a platform that was designed to support photographers but that's where the photographers turn to and that's where right. the aspiring photographers learn, quote unquote, about the industry. And I think that's the biggest cultural concern going on right now. It's like, well, being successful and having high engagement on Instagram doesn't mean that you're a professional photographer, but a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Pulitzer Prize winning photographers, a lot of them don't have Instagram accounts. Or just don't take social media seriously right, right. because it's not a right. professional way to distribute right. your work. Yeah, that's, that's very true. That's a good point. Sometimes I forget that. Yeah, and it's easy. There's it's a, easy to forget that yeah. because you get wrapped up in your phone and you get wrapped up in what other people are doing and you get wrapped up in going and emulating what other people do in that famous insta-repeat fashion. Everything usually maybe not everything a lot of it it just gets regurgitated and it ends up being this like perpetual pissing match almost of just other photographers trying to get better shots of the same places and everybody's distracting themselves from actual professional opportunities well that i 100 percent agree with everyone on instagram is chasing these not everyone but I mean, how many of these people with their 10% discount codes do you see? Like, that's not something to chase. Yeah. Or it's like, you know, you buy like $10,000 of camera gear and all so that you get a couple of free watch deals, right? Like, <laughs> Right, right, exactly. It's like, the watches. wow, you know, I really didn't plan this one out. I bought all this camera stuff, but I didn't realize all I would get is watches as payment. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if your only focus is on social media with your photography, I mean, you're not going to get very, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's this very, very bad cultural phenomenon of like monkey see monkey do. So we're kind of, I don't know, people just fall into that trap where they, they see, they perceive that these other people are successful because these quote unquote successful people are filtering and choosing the moments that are broadcasted. And then they try to do the same thing and they try to emulate that and they try to feel that sense of success. And then they're curious why opportunities don't come to them and contact them on social media and why they don't have high budget projects. Like high budget projects will never come to you into your DMs. That's not right, a thing, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely not. It's crazy. But I mean, and if it takes you two or three years to figure that out, that's a lot of time wasted. Yeah, I, I think. That's a lot of people that have a two or three year head start on you. Yeah, I think it's it's a good lesson, but I think it's a good lesson to learn very quickly. All right. You ready to wrap this up? Yeah, we can wrap it up. That was today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to check us out at focalcollective.com. We plan to post new episodes every week, so we hope to see you then. Thanks a lot for tuning in, guys.